Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment, the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening, and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back here with another episode, and with me today is Eddie Caparucci. And um, he lives in a place called Highlands, North Carolina. And I'm, I don't want to say what's a nice boy like you. What's a nice Italian boy like you living in North Carolina? But you're there. I know we've, you know, before we started, say hello to our audience, Eddie. Well, thank you, uh, Claudia, for having me here. I really appreciate it. And I hope uh, our conversation today brings a lot of insight to many of your listeners. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. So let's uh, let's introduce you first. I'll do a little bit of introducing because Eddie really has a lot to say. I mean, a lot to say, and I should be putting a lot of words in my mouth to introduce him. So let me give you a picture of who he is. Um, he is um, Dr. Eddie Caparucci. He's a licensed professional counselor and coach. He's certified in the treatment of problematic uh, sexual behaviors. Now, uh, for our audience, a lot of people might have a difficulty in wrapping their head around, well, what's so problematic, but I'll get back to that. And we could lead with that. How's that? That'd you prepare great. and stay in that. Okay. And and is, he's the creator of the inner child model for the treatment of sexual and pornography addiction. Now, um, there is another introduction here. There's the word of addiction. Um, the inner child model. I work with archetypes, so I know the inner child is an archetype. The child is an archetype, and we'll talk about that as well. And he's had a lot of interesting clients, um, professional athletes among a few, and personalities, television personalities. He's also the administrator of uh, websites menagainstporn.org and sexuallypuremen.com. And there's so many other things to say, but let me try to... Um, get him to tell us. Now, first of all, what is problematic sexual behavior, Eddie? Uh, Claudia, what that is, is whenever people engage in sexual activities that become uh, obsessive, what it does, it winds up spilling over into other uh, parts of their lives. So therefore, maybe it affects their work or their relationship or their school finances. They may be uh, losing a lot of money or spending a lot of money in that way. Their own uh-huh. self-worth, their self-esteem mm-hmm. is tarnished and hurt. So that's basically what problematic sexual behaviors are. And that can run the gamut from 
pornography, to strip club, to massage parlor, to prostitute, affair, multiple affair. But again, it's just something that winds up creating chaos. Uh-huh. In someone's life. Uh-huh. So, so you've mentioned a, quite a few different things, quite a few different activities, practices, entertainments, and you put them in in a group. And but I think the key word here is excessive, right? When it's obsessive and excessive, um, you do talk about the inner child model for the treatment of something like this. Now, if you start to talk about this, that, that will lead us into a topic of yours, which me, which is a low emotional IQs that men tend to have. So let's start with that inner child um, uh, model. What is that exactly? What did yeah. you create? Well, I mean, basically what I came to find in all the years that I've been treating and working with men, and I work with men exclusively, um, but I know that women also suffer from this sure. problem, sure. is that many of them um, do have that low emotional IQ. And basically what that means is they cannot tell you what they truly feel. They can tell you if they're angry, if they're sad, if they're happy, if they're fearful but they can't drill down to really identify the true emotion. And even if they could, they're very reluctant to be able to share that. They don't want to be vulnerable because somewhere along the line, they were taught the message of sharing your emotions is not good. There's mm-hmm. something that's unhealthy um, or it's even dangerous in some cases because people are yeah. going to you know, sit here and minimize, and judge you. you. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. But also, Claudia, the other issue is they struggle to uh, take on other people's emotion. If someone wants to be emotional, yes, it causes great anxiety. And therefore, that's where we get men who try to shut it down. They'll try to fix your problem. They'll try to minimize it. It's not that big. I don't understand why you're getting so upset. Or they just withdraw. So that's the low emotional IQ, and what that does, that really hinders a person's ability to be in a healthy relationship. See, and this that's is actually, you're making, yeah, you're making me think of a common practice that, because I also have clients, uh, and they come to me, and typically the women will say, well, what what is happening? He's ghosting me, this new word, ghosting me. And I would imagine, is that a case of... Uh, men appearing and disappearing, uh, I'm sure it's for many different reasons, but could it be uh, a question of low um, emotional IQ? Oh, absolutely. I think it's absolutely the case in in those. And if we go back and we look and say, where did this all manifest itself? We're going to find that it's in our early childhood development year. How early? How early? Oh, talk is starting at about the age of uh, one. Ah, and we're talking mm-hmm. about attunement. They're not taught how to attune, how to be able to adapt, that get people's emotion. Therefore, you have a mother or caregiver who's not really connecting with that child to be mm-hmm. able so the child can read the face. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking about their inability to learn how to sit with emotional distress, which is one of the leading causes of um any kind of addiction, if you look at it. They don't sit with emotional distress, so therefore they learn to run away, to escape into something else. Uh, They don't learn empathy. They don't Mm -hmm. learn to trust people. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also, that that 
their stage of development where they don't learn how to emotionally regulate. Mm. And finally, also connect, have that healthy bond, uh, that attachment. All of these things are lacking in childhood for many different reasons. Maybe it's a parent who's preoccupied or who just doesn't have the skill set themselves. But what it is basically is a form of neglect may not be bad people, the parents may not be bad people, but they just neglect giving that person those skills. And so now they don't have that sense of what emotional connection is. And that brings yeah. on a whole litany of new problems. Well, when why I asked how early in the development, and, and then you responded, you know, as early as one year, um, what I was thinking of um, was something like this. I'm sure there is a, 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 you know, there is a range on one end of the, the, you know, spectrum and then on the other end of the spectrum. And I immediately started thinking of people who were um, victimized in some way, who underwent um, social, uh, sexual um, harassment or sexual pra um, prowess or someone who, you know, they were in, in some way mistreated sexually by parents or by f family members. Is Could this be the case? Oh, definitely. When we're talking about two things, one, what goes on in those early years of what we call neglect, but what we're also talking about is abuse also. So therefore, yeah. physical abuse, mental abuse, verbal. Uh, yeah sexual, all of those could impact someone in that aspect. And that's all part of what the inner child model is, is about helping people go back to uncover what are those unresolved childhood yeah. pain points that they wind up dealing with now. Yeah. They still haunt them today as adults. Yeah, yeah. So it could be uh, very simply in inverted commas, a difficult relationship, a lack of an emotional relationship with the parents. Right. And it could be as serious as being a victim of sexual abuse, for example. Right. And it could be, it could be a combination of all. Yeah. Could yeah. Be, you could have all of it, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. it depends. And that's why it's so important to go back and look and try to make the determination, okay, where did things go wrong? And that's what mm -hmm. we're trying to find. That's what the whole inner childhood model is about. It's about getting insight to why, the why question. I'm a big why person. Why yeah. do I think, feel, and act the way I do? Because I believe if we understand the, the answer to why, we're empowered. Sure. We're empowered. We, can make, we can make real sure. changes in our lives. Yeah, it, well, with power comes responsibility. So you become empowered and you have the responsibility of either sharing it or, you know, living it or teaching it. Um, right. One thing um, you, you write here of relational blind spots that men need to work on and you yes. you number number them as 14 and i'm thinking oh my goodness right. only 14 <laughs> so that's what is that all about enough. it's more that's than enough for us <laughs> yeah that that actually is the subject of my new book good good let me let me now. see why, okay, why men struggle to bring you yeah there you go why men yeah. struggle to love overcoming relational blind spots when was that right. out when did that come out no that's coming out uh just before or just after christmas okay good, good yeah and that is setting up the stage for um again 
the men who have the low emotional IQ, okay, yeah. what mm-hmm. is it, you know, that they don't do well that winds up hinder, hindering the uh, relationship that they have? So, for example, uh, what are the blind boxes inwardly focused? Yes. As you could imagine, what I just ran through, it's like, I, I don't know how to sit with pain. I can't yeah. attune to others. I can't trust. Right. The worldview you have is, I have to do it myself. Yes. I have to go it alone. So therefore, you become very inwardly focused. But, but, but you know, Eddie, I'm thinking, is that because of shame? Shame, shame, plays, shame plays a part, too. Yes, because, you know, when you're going through or you're not going through those stages and then let's say there are things that happen to you from an abuse standpoint yes i don't know what i don't know what to do with that nobody taught me how to sit with this emotional pain they didn't teach me what to do so therefore yes i do feel very shameful about it and that shame along with the event itself winds up driving us off to do destructive behavior. But see, the thing is, what happens, it all sits in the kid's head. It's mm-hmm. all here, everything. And well, the world, kid who then becomes a man. Right, it stays the same. Uh-huh. So therefore, our worldview is like this. That's our Very, world, very right small, right. Yes. For the benefit of, of, right. of uh, listeners who are yes. not watching, he's uh, giving us hand-to-hand probably 20... Uh, Let's say a palm's worth between very right. small with his hands. Yeah. Right. Um, so we're missing so, so, everything on the outside. Right. right. And what, so, what, what, what I try to do in my practice is how to get men to broaden their view of the world. How? How can well, you do that? Well, you do that by one. One. Remember, we go back to the idea of insight. Why? Yeah. Why do I think, act, and feel the way I do? And once they have the answers to all of that, okay, well, let's see. I withdraw because I'm fearful of putting myself out there that I may be embarrassed. All okay, right, wait, back. wait, just one second. Now, yeah. I'm stopping you because as you're speaking, I'm thinking people, men, who have these issues, it's hard for me to believe that they willingly come to you for counseling um because notoriously men are reticent to to any kind of emotional work at all and i'm going to ask you a difficult question you don't have to answer if you want but how do you get your clients to the wife's call or the girlfriend's call and you know put you on the lookout look i'm sending them up how does that work in many cases, it's exactly what you just said. You're joking. It is, You're joking. No, it I is, was joking. No, it was oh. a woman. It's a woman who's dragging him in because either one. Um, again, remember what my specialty is. What my practice is that uh, it is helping men who are dealing with problematic sexual behavior. But see, right. to me, that's only part of the problem. Yes, Being sober is not good enough. We also have to change the heart. And that means we have to let them start to become more emotionally engaged. So, yes, they come in and the wife is, or, or the girlfriend is saying, hey, you know what? I don't like that he's using porn. I don't like that he's you know, been going to strip club, whatever it is. But also what they'll also tell you is, and 
he doesn't know how to bond. He doesn't know how to engage. You wait, know, wait, I can't. Wait, I have to stop. Now, yeah. there's a little bit of, of um, margin here for me to say. I have to say that not all people watching porn is bad not all going to a strip club they have a purpose all of these activities where do you draw the line and that's the first question but i have another okay. question because okay. these women bringing them may be motivated by something else do men who have this problem also have difficulty in having a healthy sexual life with them uh, to answer your last question, yeah. uh, sometimes, and the reason being is because, for example, many women, uh, they are offended by their husbands or their boyfriends looking at pornography. They want their eyes to be for them, on them, and not on porn or on, at strip clubs. Uh, also, what happens over time when a person is looking at pornography on a regular basis is that it alters their view of their partner and they find ooh, you know what she is just not as attractive as you know i really would want her to be worse yet though is that he now starts to objectify her uh -huh. you know and he's not seeing her as a person he's seeing her as an object wait wait so, wait 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 wait, wait. now i'm wondering if there's margin in your practice because i mean you're interacting here with a very um healthy sexual woman and her appetite and her practice i'm you know and so for me to hear this story it's quite shocking for me i'll, I'll tell you why because my answer would be well one way to remedy that it that is for both of them to watch pornography together and that would probably resolve many of the issues and another is to bring her along to the strip club is that a cultural difference because i live in europe and i have a different mentality and they may not or is it something they religiously they can't accept or or or, or are, a little there are many factors involved i mean go back to the idea of sexual abuse there's a lot of these women who may have been sexually abused before okay uh -huh. they may not they may not want to be objectified but instead they want to make sure that the basis for their relationship is emotional intimacy not physical intimacy they want emotional intimacy then we take the physical intimacy and we sprinkle it in to reinforce yes. that emotional now this brings me to a very important question what brought since women may have been abused what on earth brought you to deal with men because well you know they both need help you know I, in my I, head they both would need help you know right okay so we go back to my story that i was a person who struggled with sexual integrity issues um i grew up with a family where my father died when I was five. My mother Ooh. had a nervous breakdown. Uh -huh. And there were four of us that we all got shipped out to relatives, different uh -huh. relatives, each individually right. that I didn't know. Oh dear. I didn't know mm. who they were. Uh, and I stayed there for almost a year until my mother yeah. recovered, came back. So therefore, I wound up with abandonment issues. 
So for me, starting at the age of 16 and dating, I always had one foot in and one foot out of every relationship. Yeah. Because I felt like, you know what, people wouldn't be there for you. Right. So, so therefore, when I got into this business, um, my approach was, you know what, I don't want to put women in front of me who are suffering from sexual addiction. So again, my mother, you know, had a nervous breakdown after my father died, and the four, the four kids, four of us, each got sent down to relatives. So here I am with people I don't even know. And what that caused right. was, and I didn't realize it, an attachment disorder. Um, and with that, as I started dating when I was around 16, uh, there was a subconscious part of me that was like, don't trust women. Don't trust mm. people. They're going to leave you. So yeah. what I did was wow. always left them. And I always, oh, had to have more, I, see. I always had to have more than one. So oh. that was that was part of my life going through uh, through my relationship until I was almost forty, and I finally uh -huh. got tired. I said, "I can't really keep living like this," and that's why I yeah. went and got help, and that's why I learned about my attachment disorder. Um, uh -huh. But basically, what it means is that as a counselor, I will not put myself in a position where I would be treating a woman who's dealing with a sex addiction. I, I don't see. want to put myself in that type of a position. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I can. And that makes sense to me now. Uh -huh. So when women when call and women do, uh -huh. what I do is I refer them to other people. I, I have see. a list of women. You have a sort of a network, yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. Uh -huh. How long have you been doing this, um, Eddie? A little bit more than a decade now. Been 11 years. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Very, very interesting. And so, you know, before we started um, recording, you were telling me that you had lived in different places. You came from New Jersey, very close to where I grew up. Um, and you've brought this practice with you then to, you know, these places. No, I or did no. not. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was in corporate America for almost twenty five oh, years, dear. almost thirty oh, years. Oh. I was um, I was a marketing advertising guy, and uh -huh. you know what happened was you know I blew through two marriages because of all my infidelity and such. Oh. And then finally, <laughs> I, I met my wife now, my wife Terry, who we've been together for twenty five years, been mm. faithful the whole time. I shouldn't have to brag about that, but, but anyway. You shouldn't have to brag about that. <laughs> right. But anyway, um, what happened was so I, I was recruited to come down to uh, Atlanta, Georgia for a job opportunity. And yeah. my wife, being from Tennessee, said, she said, we got to go. So I was Not like, all good. right, we went. But that wasn't why. The reason for going down there was that I could sit in a church and hear a pastor say, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ which I had mm. never heard before. Oh. And that just changed my entire, well, it's a long story. I'm not going to go into how long, the whole thing. How long ago was that? That was about 16 years ago, 17 okay. years ago. Okay. I had never read the Bible. I picked mm -hmm. up the Bible and I started reading it cover to cover. I read it four times over a period of two years. Mm. And it just had this whole awakening for me. And then I thought, okay, great. I have a nice relationship with God. I'm involved with different things. And he came and said, hey, guess what? I'm not going to let you do corporate America anymore. I got something else for you. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want that. That's not, that wasn't part of our deal. And yeah. goes, well, then you didn't read the fine print, my son, because yeah, right. it, it, it's there. And with yeah. that, you know, after fighting him for a while, 
uh, he called me to become a counselor. So I went yeah. back to school, got a master's degree, did all the state work, did everything okay. I needed to do. So that was recent. That that was that just... was the, that was about that started about fourteen years ago with all yeah. that work. And then uh-huh. I opened up a private practice, and I was a general practice to start with. It was like seeing everybody and anybody, and right. seeing women for anxiety, all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, these guys start coming into the office, dragged in by their wives, by the wives <laughs> who who are struggling with pornography and other problematic sexual behaviors. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is me. This is this me. With me. <laughs> and, and, and that was like, I said, you know what? Now I know what my call is. And mm. that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have this inner child program. Is can I, Am I right in calling it a program? Yes. Can you describe that for us, how yes. that works? Right. The inner child model is something I created because I believe that the reason people struggle with addiction goes back to unresolved childhood pain points and their inability to be able to sit with those distressors. So what they do is teach themselves to run away. Think about it. Let's say a kid is you know, being bullied. And he can't mm-hmm. go home to mom and dad and talk about it because they're just not available for that. Um, right. Or they're going to shut him down. So now here he is, like eight years old. He doesn't have a lot of worldly experiences. He he thinks more emotionally than he does cognitively because the human brain's not fully developed until we're in our mid-20s. So yeah. he has to think about, what do I do with this pain? And he comes up with one logical explanation. And it's a great one for a kid. I won't think about it. I won't think about it. So now he has to find ways to distract himself from not thinking about it. Too much television, too much uh, food, too much video game, too much fantasy in his own head. But now that same kid, now the teenager and adult, uses the same method anytime he's faced with emotional or mental distress. He runs away to Mm -hmm. something to help soothe himself. Therefore, with the inner child model, it's identifying what are those core emotional triggers. What yes. are those childhood yes. pain points that cause you to run off and and engage in destructive behaviors? Yeah. Now, I had, of course, my way of interrupting all the time. I have to forgive you. I forgive myself. I'm asking you to forgive me. It's okay. But I'm I, married. I, I, I know what it's like. <laughs> That's so, I don't know if I should how I should take that. <laughs> third, yeah, third if my marriage. wife was here, I wouldn't know what to take it either. <laughs> no, but what I w- was going to point at, and I had asked you this question, we was we'd started talking about the blind spot, emotional uh, uh, blind spots. There were fourteen, and you got to the first one, and then I, you know, we got onto a tangent. Let's go down that list because I'm interested in knowing about sure, that. Sure, absolutely. So the first one again is. It's inwardly focused. Right. Uh, you know, that's where I am. The second mm-hmm. one is lack lack mindfulness. Okay. okay? You're not focused. You're just, mm-hmm. again, that's, again, a lot of these you're going to see, Claudia, people in their own heads. Okay. That's yeah. what a lot of them do. The third is emotional, like low emotional IQ, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. The hide and lie syndrome. Hide and no, lie wait, syndrome. Wait, 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 yeah. before we go, because I'll forget. Okay. When you said the low emotional IQ, do you actually have a way of measuring it? 
Yes, absolutely. You can. There's I don't a have a clinical way of doing it, uh -huh. but I do have through a person's uh, description of their behaviors mm. and the, and collaboration with their partner. That's how I can determine. Is it? Is it? Is there Meyer Briggs? Is uh, is a Meyer Briggs? The Meyer Briggs. Yeah, I, I think. Am I right yeah, in saying that? It yeah. just sticks to my mind. There should well, be a test. But, but, yeah, there. Meyer Briggs. You could use lots of different assessments right. to help mm -hmm. you. But right. for me, I'm using these as the tool to guide me. So therefore, a guy goes through the 14 and says, "Yes, you know what? I have set." His wife goes through him and says, "No, he has 10." Huh? And then it's like, and then you sit there and say, okay, "I see, I see, I see what you're saying." Right. Yeah. Let's explore them. Okay, so after emotional IQ, you started and I interrupt. No, that's okay. We, uh, we have hide and lie syndrome. So they're taught. Say that again, please. Hide, hide and lie. Ah, hide, hiding and lying. Right, hiding ah, and see, lying. see, see, see. Yeah. So they're taught at a very young age. And again, these are all defense mechanisms. You know what? Don't put yourself out there. Yeah. You know, stay in the background, keep, stay under the radar. And you know what? Maybe we don't always have to tell blatant lies, but maybe if we just omit things, mm -hmm. then, then it, we won't get noticed. Because right. again, if we get noticed, you should get in trouble. Right. If you get noticed, you get in trouble. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. The next thing is that they lack interest and passions. They don't uh -huh. have a lot of interest. They don't have a lot of hobbies. They don't even have a lot of friends. They uh. have very few friends. Mm -hmm. um, they struggle to connect with God. The reason they mm. struggle to connect with God is because they struggle to connect with people. Oh. So therefore, if I can't connect with people, how am I going to connect with somebody I can't talk to, I can't see, and I can't, mm. you know, touch? Yeah, but be before going on, can, I just wanted to ask, is it, could there possibly a, be a case where they can outwardly, it's like autism and there's a high-functioning autism. In this case, is there a high-functioning, low emotional IQ? For example, they get a lot, they have relate, working relationships with other people, but their companion or their wife or their uh, loved one, they can't relate to. Do you find ever cases like that? Oh, absolutely. Because what they're doing when they when they're having the relationship, let's say they are in the workplace. Yes. Most of the time, they're a ten thousand foot level. Okay, they don't oh. have to. They don't have to make themselves vulnerable. They don't have to drill down and have deep conversations. I see. Right. Then you go home. You can't have the ten thousand foot, you know, conversation. You need to be able to drill down, and they can't because they mm -hmm. become anxious. It's their anxiety mm -hmm. that keeps them from doing that. Mm -hmm. Do you ever treat single men? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I get, So I get they young. walk through your door in. with their own two feet? Yes, absolutely. It's not everybody gets dragged in by, uh, <laughs> by a woman. Yeah. No, yeah. there are some because they're like, I don't want to live this life. I don't want to be, the, I want to be more engaging with people. I don't want to be dealing, you know, with pornography. Pornography for mm -hmm. a single guy, in, in some cases, when it becomes obsessive, is they wind up withdrawing. They wind up isolating. They limit their social life, become very limited. So yes, yeah. I do wind up working with single men too. Oh, okay. Let's go down the list. Okay. Of the... the next okay. one is, of course, this is a, a, a they, they're very compulsive or impulsive. Okay. Ah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that. that's an easy one. Fear. They're fearful. Mm. And many of them don't even but know they're fearful. What? 
But of what would they be fearful? Well, of? they're fearful of being judged. They're feeling okay. of of saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're fearful that they will not be accepted. They're fearful that they will not be noticed. They're fearful that they will be criticized. They will yeah. be rejected. I can go down to live. I could spend a half hour running yeah, yeah, through yeah. those with you. There's many fears. Fears are at the heart of almost every dysfunction that we have. Yeah. And you're going to find a fear behind it. The yeah. other one is a mood or medical disorders, and that's depression, anxiety, and in a lot of cases, ADD. A mm. lot of these guys have ADD. And so explain can't. ADD. Many people are international. I have an international. Yeah, yes, audience. it's attention uh, deficit disorder. And basically, uh-huh. what it is, in part, is where the brain has a, a, a difficult time staying focused mm-hmm. in anything, and so therefore, there are ways to train the brain to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, people are too um, more willing to use medication for it. I see. So, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. that. The next one is lack of contentment. They never oh. seem to be fully happy. Mm. They never seem to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. You know, they just they think, oh, if I get this, I'll be okay. If I get that, I'll be okay. And they're not. Um, yeah. You avoid emotional pain. I talked about already. Yeah. Uh, this one you'd probably be interested in. They lack curiosity. Now they 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 now, could be curious about sports. They could be curious yeah. about business. But when yeah. it comes to people, ah, not... to people, yes, yeah. I can imagine that. I can see that. I can right. see that high right. functioning, very intelligent, high level yeah. of intelligent, but not curious about people. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I had a really funny story. I had a, uh, one of my clients in his kitchen. He's eating a bowl of ice cream, and his wife just came in. She had been at a uh, Bible study, and she came in with all her books for that for that year that they're going to study. And he's like, "So how was your uh, how was your study?" She goes, "Really good." She goes, "You want to see what we're going to be looking? You know what we're going to be doing?" And he sat there and he looked at her, and they looked at his bowl of his ice cream. He looked back up. And he said, "Nah," and walked out. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, that no sounds normal to me. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I know. Normal. But that's not, but that's not what relationships are supposed to be about. Right, that's be true. About and then the last right. one is they're hypersensitive. They're very hypersensitive. The criticism. How does that play out? Well, for example, if you're hypersensitive to criticism or rejection, hypersensitive to criticism, which personally is something I still struggle with. Yes. Okay? Having eventually when my mother remarried to a very critical stepfather, I mean, nothing was ever good. Nothing was ever right. So now my wife will be like, uh, why did you put that over there? I, go, what, what, I didn't put anything over there. What do you say? I, what, my, I just, and yeah. she goes, what are you, why are you doing that? I'm like, you're right. I'm sorry. You know, the tone changes. So it's just, again, as a child being hurt, that constant criticism or the lack of praise yeah. has us defensive. We're defensive, yeah. always mm-hmm. waiting for the next perceived criticism to come at us. Mm-hmm. Now, this is, I, I mean, I, I want to say it's fascinating because it is. It's fascinating. And I understand why you deal with one half of the, uh, uh, the world's population and not the other right. half. 
because you really can't do both. <laughs> you can't do both unless you're a relationship coast or a relational type of uh -huh. setup. Um, and, you know, initially I came at, came to you, came at you with questions of cultural differences, you know, United States versus my mental, you know, background, my perspective of, of a cultural perspective in, in a European setting, but still that's not the case. And then as you were talking, I was trying to get all different uh, reasons why what he's saying cannot be. It cannot be. It cannot be. Instead, one at a time, you've, you've thrown them down because in the end, I was thinking, well, you know, this is normal. It's like eating chocolate. Of course, you're not going to eat. If you eat so much chocolate, you're go apart from what it can do to your skin and everything, you will get sick. Obviously, you'll get sick. And that's the same for everything, for everything. So I guess the key word here is obsession and excess. That's and, when... And, and it's like, see, the thing is, you know that eating too much chocolate is going to get you in trouble. Oh, These but it makes guys, me so happy. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, there's no doubt about that. But these guys don't know why they struggle to connect. They don't know why they can't be vulnerable. They don't know why they their anxiety increases when they're in a social setting with someone. Okay, because yeah, they don't know yeah, what yeah. to say. And I that's see. what that's what I'm doing. I'm teaching them why. Because once they know why, then it's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, this is something from yeah. my path that I'm still carrying with me today. I don't have to carry it anymore. I can let it go. Oh, wait a minute. Is there, has there been any case where a person started with you and then quit? They oh, don't go through with it. Oh, oh absolutely. is there a percentage of? Uh, I don't yes. want to call it failure. I, I, will, I, and I say this with all with all humbleness. Okay, it's small. Mm -hmm. Good. It's sm How it's small? small? It is. I I would say probably less than ten percent. Oh well, that's good. Stay, yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Now, the reason that happens, remember, many of them are dragged in. Yes, okay? sir. <laughs> they're not. They're not ready. Mm. They're just not ready. That's the number one reason, you know? And the other reason is that, no, I don't have a problem. This is okay. Mm. Everything I'm doing denial. is okay. Yeah, yeah, denial. That's her problem. She wants too much of me. She wants yeah. something I can't give her. She yeah. wants me to be like her father, wants me to be like her brother, and mm. I can't give her that. Those are the two reasons. Hmm. It's sad. It's sad that people don't, can't see yeah but again yeah. they're if the way it's the way that person is hardwired and they yes. also have a very hard heart too because yeah. of the different so, pain that they went through now you have um your second book is coming out now in in december around the 2021st what is the first book title called well there's actually three there's uh, oh, removing, good. Tell removing, us. removing your shame label is the first yeah. book the second book is the one we've been talking a lot about today, and that is Going Deeper, How the Inner Child Impacts Your Sexual Addiction. Mm -hmm. And now the third book is the Why Men Struggle to Love, uh, mm -hmm. Overcoming Relational Blind Spots. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we talked about the inner child model as, as something you work with. Are there other, I'm going to call them tools, do you have other models or other 
tools that will help you get through. Oh, ab oh absolutely. You know, it's not, uh, the, the, the inner child model that I created is just one of many things that I use. I use a lot of stuff from the people who are the pioneers in this field I that I trained under uh, that helped me also. Because again, that's what we should be looking to do. You know, this eclectic type of approach to right. counseling should be that we're using any kind of tool that is going to be effective. To work. Like for, yeah. yeah, like for example, you know, the inner child model isn't as effective with older people. I so if see. I get, Isn't that and I'm, talk, I'm talking about older people. I'm How? talking about people who How are old? 70 plus. Believe I, see. Not, I see. Believe it or not, oh. I, get, I get women who drag their husbands in when they're <laughs> in their 70s. Good for them. Good yeah. for the women. <laughs> Those men, they're very, very analytical in their thinking. They're very... Um, you know, set in their ways with their thinking, mm. and they can't go into thinking about the inner child aspect of it. Mm -hmm. You know, so therefore, what do you that do makes it there? difficult. What do you do then with them? What type uh, of approach? It, it, I struggle. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I, I struggle bet. with them. Um, I bet. I, when I do, then in many cases, I actually move away from the inner child model, and yeah. I start working. I go back to the other tools that. You know, I have learned throughout the years because there's no reason trying to force this into right, right. something. So therefore, I say, you know what? Let's put the inner child away and let's really start focusing more on what we can do from a behavioral standpoint to see if yeah. we can get some changes done. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's just speculate for a little bit, a little bit. Okay, so so that might using... be dangerous with you. I yeah, don't know. I know. <laughs> Trust me. Come on. Give me the benefit of a doubt. I will. I will. Right. I'm not going to drag any any man to your. To you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Um, look, let's let's um, imagine that. All right, you've got all of these uh, little uh, little. They're important tools, and your model is something that you created. And generally, when you start getting a lot of experience, you tend to create a different model. And um, in research, there's uh, there's a, a, a word called triangulation, using three different methods to get to the so-called inverted commas truth um, of of what is what the data is telling you. Now, could you uh, speculate that because I imagine as you progress in your experience, of course you want to fine tune methods that you could use because men are different today as opposed to two years ago COVID didn't exist so they have different fears as well could you imagine or could you see yourself creating something uh, in the near future or what are you thinking what is Eddie Caparucci now thinking about in terms of what can help him work with men do you see what yeah. I mean yeah, I, I do, you know, like what's mm -hmm. the next thing? And, and, but yeah. right now, right now for me, uh, like I said, the, the relational blind spot is yeah. pretty, you know, that's, it, that's different. And all mm -hmm. my peers who they've been reading, they've read the manuscript, they're all looking at this and they're saying, wow, you know what? The idea of just being sober is not enough. It's not something we've really given a lot of thought of. 
about mm-hmm. we really do need to teach men how to become more emotionally engaged. engaged. That's what they really mm-hmm. hunger for. They hunger for emotional connection. They just don't know what yeah. it is. So yeah. therefore, I think a lot of the focus is going to be here. But to answer your question more, does that not mean that the inner child model may not expand? That right now there's like nine kids that are there that maybe become twelve, or or even as you said when you said like you know oh there's only fourteen blind spots. You know maybe <laughs> there, maybe there's another maybe right. there, there's another right. three or four or five. Right. I don't I know. I but as I as I continue to work with men to uncover things. You know, yes, that I continue to bring those things into my practice and to also share them with my with my mm-hmm. colleagues. Okay, wow, you've got a um, a big job to do. <laughs> you've got a big job to do, but it's fascinating. It really oh, is fascinating. It, you know, it's like there's never the same day that repeats itself. Right. Uh, That's what I was just going always, to say. Always different. different. And it breaks your heart at times. I mean, it breaks your mm-hmm. heart, especially when you talk to the wives and you see the pain that they've been put through. Uh, but then again, it just gives me more resolve to take these guys and sure, say, hey, sure, we're sure. going to make real changes. We're not just going to stop engaging in a bad behavior. We're going to make a lot of positive changes also. Yeah, yeah. Well, I salute you, Eddie Caparucci. You've got um, your hands into something quite interesting. And you've warded off Claudia Monticelli when I came at you with all of those things. So that was pretty good of you. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time here. Please tell our audience where they could find you. Yes. um, First, they find me. My website is the www.innerchild.com sexaddiction.com uh, mm-hmm. they can email me at edcappa e-d-c-a-p-p-a at gmail.com yeah. and again the books are Going Deeper, How the Inner Child Impact Your Sexual Addiction which basically uh-huh. can be used for any addiction as right. well as Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spot that should be out after Christmas Oh, thank you so much and once again for taking the time uh, to well, come Well, thank here. you for having me, and uh, thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> no problem. Bye-bye, Eddie. Bye. <laughs>